Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Jody Mack here with you. We got 60 left to play. Uh, we'll start this hour talking some NBA. We haven't done much NBA at all. Uh, I actually reached out for my next guest to join me in uh, Philadelphia this past week, and he just couldn't do it on the day that I needed him. But whenever he says yes, I'm glad to have him aboard. He covers the league for CBSSports.com. NBA writer James Herbert joins me. How are you, James? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Now, I know you're a uh, left coast guy. Are you no Cal or SoCal? Um, I, I, I'm in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Why did I think you were a California guy? I, I'm not sure. I, I'm from Toronto, and, in, and I'm in Brooklyn. Really? Uh, <laughs> what what <laughs> brought you down from Toronto to Brooklyn? Um, well, I, I met my wife, and she was living here um, before she was my wife. So I, I moved right in. Very um, nice. Five, six years ago, yeah. Good for you, and hopefully still in wedded bliss. Where'd you meet your wife? Mm-hmm. Um. Actually, online talking about basketball. Like, really? On Twitter, yes. How cool is that? <laughs> yeah. Good for you. All right, here's another question that I'm sure you weren't expecting to get. I've already uh, hit you with three of them. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you purchased the USA Today one day individually, got it at a store or in a, uh airport or wherever else, did you buy the USA Today just to read that day's copy of it? Now, how much did you pay? Oh, my goodness. I I wish I had a better – like, I literally don't remember, and I feel bad. Um, because, you know, I, like, I do pay to subscribe to some news outlets online, but I just I, – I literally can't remember, like, doing that um, at any point recently. It's scary <laughs> stuff because I don't know. Not only don't I know, I attempted to look it up online. I Googled it. And nowhere mm-hmm. does it state what one copy costs. They got all the subscription prices and the deals they'll give you for the first three months. If you, mm-hmm. But I can't get a, an, a, a number on what they charge for the USA Today, today or tomorrow or the day after, which is just stone cold weird. And it's sad because uh, the newspaper business isn't what it used to be. But everybody's online now and they're reading you at CBSSports.com. Uh, and I appreciate you coming on tonight. Um the buyout market has added some key pieces in some key places. My issue with it is it seems the rich are getting richer. First, Blake Griffin jumps to the Nets. And then LaMarcus Aldridge becomes available, and he jumps to the Mets. And DeAndre uh, uh, Drummond is out there, and uh, who's going to sign him? And before you know it, boom, he's on the Lakers. 
the two teams that are probably the favorites in each of the conferences, not locked, but uh, the favorites in each of the conferences on the betting lines, get additional players for pennies on the dollar because they got bought out by their previous teams. Is this a good thing for the NBA or a bad thing? I think it's a like sort of natural thing here, and I would caution against overreacting to these particular ones because I don't think any of these guys are really going to swing um, the the championship here. There, I, I wrote a few years ago, like going back, I wrote like a history of sort of the buyout market dating back, you know, like P.J. Brown uh, in Boston is the one that I think a lot of people remember. He kind of came out of semi-retirement and helped them win a ring. And I think after that, um, you know, the, the Celtics themselves went and signed guys year after year, the next few years. And the vast majority of the people have forgotten, like, oh, like Stephon Marbury was on the Celtics. Like, yeah, and it was horrible. And like, generally, <laughs> that is how it goes. Like, you have these guys who are the tail ends of their careers who end up getting bought out and they're in a bad situation. Things go sideways. They go on to a new team. Occasionally, um, that that is a hit and it, it helps out. Uh, even just go back to last year, Marquise Morris plays a key role for the, the Lakers en route to a championship. But it, it is a very small percentage um, it, it, in terms of if you go back and look at what happens every year. There are a few guys every year. We always get excited and make a big deal out of them. And by and large, you know, it, it does not end up being a difference-making thing. Sometimes it ends up actually being harmful because you're introducing – a player who often is a relatively big name who is expecting a certain amount of minutes and maybe that team that was already pretty good um, had a fairly deep roster anyway and then you're giving him minutes that maybe should go to somebody else. And I think if we're talking about Drummond, if we're talking um, about Griffin and Aldridge, like I think there are ways for those guys to help those teams, but I'm not particularly um, optimistic about any of them really playing big, big, big minutes. Uh, in playoff series, and I'm not sure that any of them are like ideal fits for those teams. Gorgie Jang quietly gets bought out and signed with the Spurs yesterday, and I actually thought he would have been probably a better fit on some of these teams uh, than, than those bigger names that we mentioned because that is a player who can step out on the three-point line and knock down a shot and give the teams a little bit of a different dimension they currently have at the five spot. It's less of an overlap, and also he's probably not coming in expecting huge minutes, expecting a huge role, and he's not having a million stories being written about them and people talking about it as if this is a thing that is going to meaningfully, you know, shift the championship odds or maybe be bad for the NBA or anything like that. I'll tell you why I think there's some hanky-panky going on here and uh, it worries me, bothers me, if not annoys me. A couple of these have come rather quickly. Uh, Blake Griffin signed pretty damn quick and uh, LaMarcus Aldridge seemed like he was released 10 minutes earlier and then he was a member of the Nets. As you stated, there isn't a given that a guy's just going to be able to come in and fit. They're uh, all-star level players, so we know the talent is there, but it's diminishing, and that's why they're on the buyout market to begin with. Their team has said, no, we could uh, use with saving a couple million dollars rather than actually uh, have you sit on our bench. Uh, but it comes together pretty fast. And if I were a head coach of a team and I were adding this type of a player, that it's going to be delicate as to how you're going to use him and what his role is going to be on the team, I'd want to have a face-to-face with the guy. I might want him to sit in with a couple of my key players. And apparently that has not been the case with the buyout guys this year. If I'm wrong, I apologize, but I don't think I am because they came together pretty quickly. 
Is there seriously tampering going on here? Well, I, I think you are wrong a little bit because all, all those guys were shelved for a long time. Like they, they were not actually active for their teams for weeks um, but before they were bought out. So at that point, I mean, th- these guys were trying to figure out their next move. The front office was trying to figure out trades. With Blake Griffin, the, the Pistons gave up on finding a trade well before the trade deadline, but still after he had been sitting there for a while because he still had multiple years left on his contract. There was nobody who was going to trade for a guy that looked as bad as he did early this season um, as Blake did. I mean, he, he was like, there was really no hope of finding a trade for the other guys for Aldridge and for Drummond. They were sitting um, Aldridge. I mean, uh, excuse me um, for Drummond. It was for a long, long time leading up to the trade deadline. And for Aldridge, it was just coming back from, the mid-season break, they sat him. So, I mean, I, I think those front offices, those organizations, and those players had kind of had their divorce, and it was up to, you know, the agents to figure out what are the options here to talk to um, those teams. Now, I, I, I would say, like, yeah, like the, the sit-down that, I, I mean, I know it happened just down the street from my apartment. Blake Griffin and Steve Nash had a sit-down in Brooklyn to discuss what this was all going to be like. Like, that only happened... Um, you know, like right after the signing was made official. But even then, it's like they, they had a whole bunch of practice time. He didn't play uh, in their first few games when he was on the roster. They wanted to make sure that he got back in shape because he hadn't played basketball for a while. And I would anticipate that's the same thing, like how this is going to go with Aldridge and with Drummond because they just haven't been playing, right? So, uh, I mean, I I think it, it seems like if you just look at like they were released this day, then they signed this day. It looks like it's really fast, but actually like these guys haven't been playing basketball for quite a while leading up to it. There was a lot of time for everybody involved to figure out how this was going to work, to talk to the parties involved. And my understanding is that in pretty much all of these cases, the stars on those teams were lobbying for their front offices to go out and get those players. So everybody involved should be motivated to make this work. We'll see if it does work because there are some key guys who have been added here in the buyout market. We're talking to James Herbert from CBSSports.com on the NBA. Um, I had a Nick caller last night who was kind of pumped up because the Knicks went into Milwaukee and got a win. And they're above 500, and they're looking like a playoff team now. And I said, yeah, that's a better win than the Knicks have gotten uh, during this run to get above 500 to go into Milwaukee and win. Then I checked the box score. Dante DiVincenzo didn't play. Uh, Chris Middleton didn't play. Drew Holiday didn't play. And Giannis Antetokounmpo didn't play. All DNP coaches' decision. I understand that players take downtime in the NBA these days. Shouldn't the commissioner have something to say when a team makes a decision to not play, arguably, well, certainly it's three best players, and maybe it's four best players if you want to put DiVincenzo fourth on that Bucks roster, uh, the guys who were playing for the Bucks, I couldn't name two or three of them. And they're in there in a game when the Bucks are trying to make a push for a divisional uh, championship. And they're just basically handing the Knicks a game on the platter. There's got to be something wrong with that. Is the commissioner going to investigate this or make a statement about this that we understand load management, but all four of your best players at the same time? That's just not right. Well, I'm not. I have to go back and look at what the scheduling situation was for that game and what the deal was. I know the Spurs had 
a similar one recently where they sat a whole bunch of guys. Um, and that was because they were on this insane stretch of schedule. Uh, the Spurs are one of these teams that has to make up games in the second half of the season. This is a compressed season to begin with. And the Spurs have in the past gotten in some hot water with the league. They're the ones that sort of originated load management that yeah. they happened to do it a few times when there was a national television game. Um, they ended up getting fined and there was a whole thing. And the, the Spurs, like when Pop talked about it, he said, like, we communicated with the league in advance, which now you have to. That was a, a change that the league put in, I believe, two seasons ago. I could be wrong, but somewhere around there um, was where there are actually rules that teams have to um, go by in terms of notifying the, the sort of proper channels with enough notice before the game that this is going to happen. And also, if if you can avoid doing it on a national televised game like that, that's kind of part of the deal, too. Um, I, I don't believe that this particular Bucks Knicks game was nationally televised. I don't believe the Bucks broke any rules here. And I, I think, frankly, like when we're talking about a schedule that I think there have been lots of articles written um, about sort of how onerous the 82 game schedule it is, is and how, um, you know, just a lot of people on, you know, sports science staffs, training staffs, medical staffs, players have talked about how demanding it is with the travel and all of that. And now we are speeding that up. We are cramming in as many games as possible. Some teams are having to make up games at even faster rate in the second half. Like, I think this kind of thing is inevitable. And I haven't seen a whole lot of instances like this this season. In fact, I would have probably expected more. Um, So I am not really up in arms about this kind of thing. And it's, it's, it's funny, like literally like you bringing this up to me is the first time I've talked about any conversations about <laughs> load management all season when in the past, it was like a big talking point, but it just hasn't felt like a big thing. It, I, you're right. I think it's actually been less because of uh, all the qualifiers that you put on it. Uh, people have been more understanding, but uh, since you did note it, and I thought it was uh, well noted, uh, the Bucks schedule since the all-star break, Thursday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So it was a back-to-back game. They'd played the night before, but three straight home games. They played the Celtics Wednesday and Friday, and then they played the Knicks last night. So it was their first back-to-back since the All-Star game, and they decided to give their best four players tonight off. I'm sorry, I just still have a problem with it. All right, uh, staying in the uh, Eastern Conference, is Joel Embiid's MVP chances being compromised that the Sixers continue to win without him? Um, I, I think, if anything, his MVP chances are being compromised just because he's sitting out, right? So you have, like, he's sitting out, LeBron is sitting out. I think all of this stuff is kind of adding up to Jokic being the clear front runner here just based on the fact that there's a lot of players that are playing at a similar level, and then he's just been in every game and the Nuggets are playing better than they were at the start of the year. I think his case is kind of gaining steam. Um, but, I mean, you could make the argument like Giannis's case has gained a lot of steam. James Harden's case has gained a lot of steam as well. Like, there are a lot of guys in this mix. But to me, like, that's, that's the thing. Like, I think very clearly if you watch the Sixers, like, they are nowhere near as good without Joel Embiid. They're having to scratch and claw to get a lot of the victories that they're getting um, and it is just, they are just an entirely different team on both ends. It's a lot harder uh, for them. So that wouldn't really be how I looked at it as far as like they're, they're getting some wins without him. Like I think still just watching them, like they desperately miss him um, and then they need him back. But I think 
when you're just talking about the case, like when it is close, I think some voters will look at just total minutes played, total games played as sort of a tiebreaker here. And in that respect, that could end up hurting him, particularly because like whenever he does come back, I think he'll probably be back pretty soon. Like I don't anticipate he'll just come back and then play literally every game for the rest of the year. I think the Sixers will take a kind of cautious approach with him like they have in years past because they know like once it's playoff time, like they absolutely need him. And last year is the only playoff run they've had where they've just had a like healthy, full strength, Joel Embiid, and that was over in four games because they didn't have a healthy Ben Simmons. Um, so it, to me, it, like when you look at the end of the year, like we, we can talk about how many games all these guys have played and how the narratives have shifted and how the stats have shifted. But like I think Embiid is still right there. Um, but at this point, based on a, a bunch of stuff that is happening around the league, I think Jokic is, is sort of in the, the pole position for me. James Herbert from CBSSports.com, NBA writer, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, no, we got 20-some-odd games to play, and I can't just narrow focus in on the standings, but I don't know how drastically they're going to change. How huge is it to win the Atlantic, uh, excuse me, the Eastern Conference? Because if you believe you get through the first round, in that second round, you'd be playing the fourth seed, which right now is the Knicks, could easily be Charlotte or Atlanta, half a game separate all three of those teams. But the second round for whoever finishes second is probably going to mean the Bucks. Uh, that's a big difference between playing the Knicks, the Hornets, or the Hawks, or having to play the Bucks if you're the Nets or the Sixers. How dogged is the race going to be to finish atop the Atlanta, the Eastern Division, Eastern Conference? Yeah, I think I think it could be pretty dogged by the end. And those three teams you mentioned are in there in a tier by themselves, like. I think there are a lot of teams in the East that would like to think um, they wouldn't be scared of those teams if they went up against them in, in a first-round series, in a second-round series, whatever it is. But just based on what we've seen this this year, like those are the contenders out East. And everybody else, until further notice, like, yeah, do I want to see what the Celtics look like with Evan Fortier now? Of course I do. But like they, they have not been a good defensive team all season long, and I don't think Fournier is going – to fix that part of the equation. Um, so, and then you can just go up and down the list. Like Atlanta has been really strong lately, um, but I, I want to see them against tougher competition. I want to see them do it for longer periods of time. Um, and that, that that's kind of the way it is. So yeah, of course, if you're, if you're the Nets, if you're um, Philadelphia, you, you want um, to get that top spot. And by the way, like let, let's see what the Bucks are able to do in the second half this season as well because if we know anything about the Bucks in the past few years like they can just rip off long stretches of weeks where they do not lose like they they are a, a dominant regular season team when they are at their best so they could still have a run in them uh before this thing is over too so they, they could end up I don't know that they'll get to the top spot but like I, I could see this being a close race between those three teams once we're at the end of it before the buyout market, there was a very active NBA trade deadline day of more trades than ever before on the uh, NBA trade deadline day. Um, two really significant guys moved, at least for me. Well, I, I should say three because Vucevic uh, it could be the difference between Chicago getting into a play-in game or not. Uh, but Powell to uh, Portland and uh, Aaron Gordon to Denver. Sure enough, look at the standings right now. They're both 27 and 18 tied for fifth or sixth in the Western Conference. Which was a bigger addition? 
Uh, to me, Aaron Gordon is not close. I love Norman Powell. This is a guy I covered him when he was a rookie in Toronto, like wrote a profile of him that year, like have seen him grow. He's become just an incredible scorer in the NBA, a way better shooter than I think anybody believed was possible when he was coming out. And he's having an amazing season. But I think, you know, they, they gave up Gary Trent and Rodney Hood for him. And Trent was already a really good shooter, not the same kind of off-the-bounce score, not, not going to put up the same numbers as like Powell has put up this year in Toronto. But I think Trent is a superior defender. And if there's an area uh, in which Portland needed to get better, it wasn't necessarily they needed like way more offensive firepower. They're a great offensive team. They, they need guys to get stops. And Powell is a pretty good defender, but like I said, I, I think he's a little bit of a downgrade from, from Trent on that end. So that, that move was a little bit confusing uh, from that perspective. But the, the Nuggets, they, they just absolutely needed somebody like Aaron Gordon. They have needed somebody like that since the moment that Jeremy Grant signed that huge contract in Detroit. They, they need someone who can guard the best of the best. They, they were going to have to try to kind of cheat it and get away with throwing a Will Barton on a much bigger guy. You're trying to have to Michael Green and Paul Millsap guard these honestly much quicker guys um, in a playoff setting. And you, you sort of knew like if they could do something, they would. And I, I just think in terms of the marriage of his skills and then that need that the Nuggets had on the roster, like it, it is absolutely perfect. Now I, I want to see it because I haven't seen Aaron Gordon play in an offense like this for one second of his NBA career because he's been in Orlando the entire time. Um, he's going to be asked to do much less with the ball in his hands than he's gotten used to doing with the Magic. But, I mean, I, I watched his introductory press conference. He said all the right things about being a cutter, about being a guy who just it brings the energy on defense and guards the opposing team's best player and kind of plays off the guys that are already there and just kind of fills in the gaps for – a team that's already really good. And if he does commit to that, if he can be um, a different kind of star in that kind of role, then I think the Nuggets are sitting pretty. And I think they made an incredibly meaningful move uh, in terms of their playoff prospects specifically, because they were going to be a really good regular season team. The question was like, how do they deal with these matchup problems? And I think Gordon is at least a, a good theoretical answer to all of those questions about matchups in the playoffs. I agree with you on the defensive end, but Jokic likes to take his shots. I know how good a passer he is, but he gets 18 shots up a game. Murray takes 16. Porter takes almost 12 shots a game. And uh, the only reason why you put Will Barton out there is because he can shoot the basketball. So uh, working him into the offense, I want to see. Work him into the defense. Yeah, I think you throw him in the deep end of the pool right away, and he will certainly make him better. All right, uh, last question for you. If you got one vote to cast... And you had to cast it today. Who are you voting for coach of the year? Hmm. Um, probably Quinn Snyder. Yeah. Um, I really like, I mean, to go for like, usually there's like two ways you can go with this, right? Like you go for a coach of an elite team um, or you go with a coach of a team that like wasn't supposed to be good. And wow, this guy's really coached him up. If you want to go the latter, I go James Brago in Charlotte has done an absolutely incredible job. Did a really good job last year when nobody was paying attention. Now it's all paying off with a much more talented roster. And then with Snyder, I mean, it's just the results speak for themselves. Their, their offense is beautiful. Uh, it, is, it has been humming the way it never has before in Utah. And, though, by the way, they're, they're still an absolutely elite defensive team. And there's some pretty significant shifts they've made in terms of um, playing faster, taking more threes, shooting early in the shot clock. And they've just been really hard to guard 
all year, and they've been more than the sum of their parts, and I think Snyder's got to get credit for that. Yeah, with Snyder, you get the best of both worlds. You get the guy at the top of the standings and the guy who's improved his team more so than anyone in the world would have projected. So, yes, I think he is the leader in the clubhouse at this time, but I'm a big Doc Rivers fan, and uh, I I may be able to talk Doc into it before the year is over. We'll see. James, great stuff. (laughs) Appreciate it. Um, Go out and get yourself a USA Today when you get the chance. Thanks for hopping out with us tonight. We uh, will do it again soon enough. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. You got it. James Herbert, CBSSports.com, NBA Insider. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.